1: Welcome back to Lenton Rouge Cycling Podcast for the Giro d'Italia 2023 overall recap. We're going to be hitting some good topics, some forward-looking stuff. We'll obviously do the fast recap of the stages, memorable moments, how we'd rate the race, what could be improved, and some GC conclusions. But also talking about like what Ineos could have, if anything, done differently in the race. Would you rather have UAE's results or Ineos' results? Where does this put Primoz Roglic? in the GC hierarchy now, between him and Pog and Vingegaard. And what should Remco do? Tour de France? Welter? Same with Thomas. Same with Theo Gagenhart. Should he stay at any Should they extend him? All those question marks, we'll be discussing in the Gio recap. But how are you feeling, Benji? Two days off? Or one and a half days? What'd you do? what did you do yesterday?
0: Well, basically a travel day. I'm in Belgium at the moment. And, uh, well, it kind of feels weird because you stand up You're prepping everything, making some content, and then you realize, I'm going to start watching a Giro. Nah, we can't. There's no Giro anymore. You're so used to being in a Grand Tour that after a Grand Tour, I've got this moment of like, ooh, I can't actually watch the Giro. I need to start thinking about other races already, which are coming up, like the Dauphiné and the Tour de France next month. And, oh, well, next month, technically, in like a month and a bit, I would say. But so many things upcoming, looking forward to it. And, uh, well, we got
1: to talk about the Giro first. Ben Tallet won Tour of Norway GC yesterday. You know, he had one less stage this year based on his prologue result and some bonus seconds. Good result for the young Brit. And Ronda van Limburg, Herman Taysen beat Caleb Ewan again yesterday. But Giro d'Italia, this is my rapid fire of what happened because I've forgotten everything that happened in the first week. Remco won the opening TT, huge gap. Jonathan Milan, dominant sprint, second stage. Michael Matthews on the little uphill drag wins the third stage for jaco first gc possible day stage four quick step give the jersey away to the breakaway parapantra beats Lechnisund, who rode for the malia rosa he'd keep that for five stages then groves won the next sprint pedersen the next sprint so we've already got four different sprint wins before Davide bias won the break ahead of Karol Varcek in the campo imperatore uh walk stage from the GC group Ben Healy <laughs> dominant win on Fossombrone where we see our first GC st- uh, action on the road stage with uh, Roglic attacking on the cappuccino climb Remco loses 14 seconds before only winning the 35k or so TT by a second ahead of Grant Thomas first rest day he abandons with COVID devastation for the race we'll talk about that in a, uh, later how that then affected. This is where the race turns for me. I thought the first week was fine, solid enough. Then Court wins from a small group in stage 10. Ackerman wins a sprint stage 11. Dens wins from the trio, became my enemy of Schoen's and Berwick on stage 12 before Rubio became Pino and France's enemy. No, Cepeda did on stage 13. This was the Kranz-Montana shortened travesty of a stage. Stage 14, Dens wins again with an MVDP, uh, impersonation coming back to the move. McNulty gets his first Grand Tour stage win in Bergamo in a Lombardia light course. Thomas, by the way, has taken the Malia Rosa after Renko abandoned. Armiral took pink after Ineos gave it to him on stage 14 for Monte Bondone. After the second rest day, Gagan abandoned. The crash might have affected Roglic. We don't know for sure. Almeida and Thomas take 25 seconds on him. Ku saves Roglic. On that climb, Almeida wins his first Grand Tour stage. Thomas takes the Malia Rosa for the next four stages. Before Dainese wins his second Euro Sprint in a row in annual row in Caorle. <laughs> Zana wins from a break in Valdesolde. Roglic R- drops uh, Almeida by 25 seconds. with and trecimi beats all the rulers, and again Roglic drops Almeida by 20 seconds or so and takes three seconds on Thomas before the final TT. Which you know what? Well, you know what happens. Roglic beats. Thomas takes pink from him on the last serious stage before Cavendish wins the final sprint in Rome. Which stage of those, had you forgotten, ever happened, Benji?
0: Quite a bit, actually. There's a lot of like stages in the first two weeks that could have been an email. (laughs) But um, I would say, for example, the Mathieu sprint had completely left my memory. The Bice one didn't leave my memory because... Someone like that winning on Campo Imperatore leaves a bit of a mark despite the GC battle not happening that stage. It's kind of like a a bit of a a meme breakaway winning is a spectacular event, I would say. Not spectacular for GC, but spectacular in our hearts. Ackerman stage win completely gone from my mind. I'd even say the Magnus Court stage win was pretty far from me. That's the one
1: I forgot. Yeah. That was G and Demarki and they didn't attack him and yeah. yeah that one i forgot the Pedersen one i kind of remember because clark and demarkey got caught late the groves one i really forgot that was the stage renko chopped himself i think or there was a couple of gc crashes but yeah a few of those i uh i forgot and yeah there was there's a lot of sprints in this giro. in the end when you look at the number of sprints or could have been sprints um so there's some of the least memorable stages which maybe a couple of stages stood out to you that you'll remember uh for a long time Benji I'll go first with one the Fossombrano stage I really liked the Muri stage mm-hmm. mainly cuz Healy yes the stage when there wasn't too much tension but it was cool to see such a dominant stage win from an Arden guy who just had such a good Arden campaign and it was actually and it was also the only time we saw any road GC action in the whole race between Remco, Roglic, and uh, full-strength Ineos. So that's really the stage that I enjoyed the last 30Ks of, 40Ks of quite a lot.
0: Exactly, that's one of those stages that stood out GC-wise, but I would say that stage is also not on the level of the Granol stage of the Tour de France, for example, but no. maybe, maybe I'm putting a bit of an unrealistic aim there, because a lot of Grand Tours don't have a stage like that. That being said, we had a different stage that is the obvious answer to this for many, I think. The Planche-like stage, we had the Planche time trial where Pogachar destroyed Roglic years ago, and now we have the occasion where Roglic is the uh, the perpetrator here towards Thomas on the slopes of the Monte Lusari climb, and that's one where I will have memories of for quite a while, more than the Fossombrone stage, because this decided the Grand Tour, and I also have pure recency buys at the end of a Grand Tour, so that's also... a uh, a major factor there but i think we spoke about the historical memorable stage now like the Fossombroni or Montelusari. Uh, Monte a is going to be the one that people remember the most i think but i will say there's a lot of things that i didn't want to remember from this Grand Tour and that's mostly the riders that got out of this Grand Tour, the riders that fell out of this Grand Tour or COVIDed out of this Grand Tour for example Remco Nepal, Gegenhad it's similar to the 2120 Giro where, for example, we had was it was it Thomas that fell out in the first week on the yeah. on the earlier slope stages? And then we had a, a Grand Tour as well, a Giro where Yates went out early. Those are the things I don't like about these Grand Tours, obviously, because I also feel like it kind of beheaded or interfered with GC action going into the second week. And we've had a lot of discussions online about whether the first two weeks of this Giro was boring. I found it not that entertaining GC-wise, so I'll, I'll be honest about that. The GC battles in the first week was solely for Sombrone, because on, on Kranz Montana we had nothing, let's be honest about it. Campo Imperatore we had nothing, Lago La Siena we had nothing. Yes, we had the time trials, but that's also pretty obvious that you will have gc riders fighting each other on the time trials but only for some brawn in the first two weeks, that's kind of too little for me. And would you say that is because the weather, the parkour or because of the riders that fell out?
1: It's a, it's a combination of so many things. So it's not just the fault of the, you know, when this parkour initially came out, I didn't say, oh, this is the worst parkour ever. No one really did say that. I think, What you just said about two of the, I think, two of the top three GC riders being taken out of the race through crash or COVID, and the favourite, Remco, through COVID. It's not going to make the race better, is it? That's option A. And then if he didn't have COVID, he probably has, after that TT, a very, very solid lead, and that necessitates people attacking. Um, Then there is the weather. It was, unlike so bad that you probably couldn't predict that now we do move to the parkour does it make lago lasena a worse stage if it finishes at the top because if it finishes at the top roglic and jumbo might go for it same thing with the bergamo stage it finishes like there's so many of these stages that finish with a downhill that the teams think really am i going to control all day to take, say I take 10 seconds on the climb and then I just get brought back. Like, whereas the Vuelta finishes these stages on the ramp typically, like uh, the one Broglich beat Pedersen in in stage four last year or stage three. So, and then there is the 200K stages. So I don't care if the ride right, really, if they protested stage 12 and said we're only doing the last 50Ks and it's going to be a sprint, I really don't care. And to be honest, no one would really. So, But they do all those stages in full. They do all these, quote-unquote, really pointless stages for GC perspective that are 220Ks in the rain. And then the one stage in the second week that might have GC action gets shortened and gets uh, neutered, and there's nothing. So that's maybe a thing where if RCS wants to have these beastly stages, maybe give the riders... A few yep. 150 K transition stages, you know? Like and also well, but then exactly and then people are like they'll be like well oh, but the attrition, the attrition. Oh, it's like okay, how'd that attrition go through in the third week? Big gaps on the in the road stages in the third weeks were there? Nope. No one did anything. So it didn't riders weren't just collapsing on Paso Zhao. They just okay, they're pissed off they were doing it in the rain. but they're also they're not going that hard like you listen to the gc riders on the second rest day they're like yeah like it sucked in the rain but i haven't exactly been you know doing full gas efforts every day to try and stay with the gc group so i think put um, some mountaintop finishes genuine mountaintop finishes throughout the parkour backloading it It doesn't really do it for me, and this has been a long rant. I'm still going, Benji. (laughs) There is the counter argument. Oh well, there's all these narratives, etc. And I agree. And but maybe those narratives. So Cavendish winning the final stage, that's great for British fans and Astana fans, etc. That makes that sprint really exciting for other people. Maybe it's just a it's just a ceremonial sprint. If you look at the if you objectively compare this race to other Grand Tours based on how many stages were won by the GC group in a road stage? Zero. How many kilometers in road stages were the GC riders fighting or attacking mano y Very, very low.
0: Well, zero in the first two weeks, right? Because Monte Bondone was on and So first we uh, so talking about... one. I lied. One. Okay. It's not, it's not much, I know. It's not much, but it's something i guess yeah <laughs> but i agree with you completely across the board and it's also the balance that i want to talk about also you set too many 200 kilometer stage that are flat and so forth like i don't really care if a flat stage is 120 kilometers or 220 kilometers yes the attrition will count a tiny bit but it didn't really pay off in this Grand tour at all so attrition is not the example that you can bring up for this Grand tour in specific that's for sure and with the riders falling out you started with that that was such a major factor because without Remco being ahead as a as a carrot to catch, basically there is not that much incentive for the others to go hardcore in the in the second week. And then we get to the third week, and we then were thinking, oh, should certain parkours be switched around because now to the parkour point, should Trecimi have been after the time trial? Maybe because then you will have less incentive to save all your energy for. The time trial, people still go all out on the Montelusari TT before the Tricime stage, but the opposite thing is, you have the danger of the GC being decided after Montelusari. But at that point, I think in this occasion, it would have been better off if they were both switched around, even though the Montelusari time trial did eventually pay off quite well in this Giro. But also, you said the Bergamo stage, the Lombardia stage, for example, that was a stage where... If the parkour was a bit better, for example, if if the climbs were a bit closer together, if there was less time after the climb to the finish line, then you might have a Fossombrone kind of event where you have GC riders fight each other. But the parkour here was not stable for that. But also Trecime, we said it when the parkour came out. If you have the hardest climb as the final climb, like Fedaya, like Trecime, people are going to wait until the final climb to make action. And that sucks. I want to have Paso dello Stelvio action like 2020, where you've got the major climb and then the easier climb at the end. Then you have incentive to attack on the second last climb.
1: I mean, I think UAE did have incentive to attack on the second last climb, and they yeah, just didn't.
0: Almeida had just shown weakness the day before, so I feel like that inflicted that.
1: Yeah, I, I get. I guess that's what they were thinking, but yeah... If it finishes at the end of Trey Crotchy, do people do something different? I mean, there was more action on Paso Zhao than in 2021 when it was the final climb. And yeah, so I don't know. It's it maybe if Remco's two and a half minutes ahead, everyone does go crazy on Paso Zhao uh, before Trey Chimi. It's it's a big what if. Maybe if Gagan Hart's in the race, Inios pace really hard and Sivakov's there to yep. launch him. Big, big ifs. And that's kind of, I think, what colors this is, after stage nine, we had pretty high hopes, actually. Ineos looked strong, two of the best four riders. Roglic looked fine. Remco was ahead, but not by too much. And then it, it those expectations, the Thief of Joy for the rest of the race. Um, but yeah, it's... Listen, I, I don't know the answer exactly. My suggestion would be the... 100k's extra that riders do in the rain that add n- no entertainment value. No. Nobody is going to go back and license kilometers 100 to 70 to go of stage 12 in the rain. Nobody. but you know who it affects? The riders. Because they're riding for two and a half extra hours in the rain. It's, you know, dull and Pretty pretty annoying for them. So that would be my easy win. And then keep the big beastly mountain stages and then you might be more likely to have them uh, and scatter them about it a bit more. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a good race. I didn't I think it's the worst one we've covered, uh, to be honest. Because listen, it's I also don't mind the break winning if there's GC action behind, but for two weeks that didn't happen. Uh that didn't happen either. So it's a shame, but not all of it, and I'm not blaming the riders. And we're about to now discuss, were the teams irrational, Benji? Because, again, I'm Mm -hmm. not even criticizing the teams necessarily. I'm just stating how it happened. Um, Should they have ridden any differently? Let's start with Ineos for one. Should they have really done anything differently knowing now that Roglic was going to smoke or did smoke, or could they have known that Roglic would smoke Thomas in the TT?
0: I think with Gegenhard being out of the race in week two, it puts them in a position where they kind of have to be careful with Thomas. And that makes me understand why they ride defensively afterwards. Until to the point we get to the third week where on Monte Bondone, Thomas is with Almeida, the strongest in the race. So they're both the strongest on that stage. Then the mountain stage afterwards, we see it being switched around where it's Thomas with Roglic. And then the one time that he does attack, the day after Trecime, where he does counter Roglic, he gets countered again and loses three seconds. Now, you can start nitpicking those moments and think, like you said, for example, it's it was a good example. I agree with you that it would probably have been more effective, which was attacking, Thomas attacking a bit earlier. But would he have had the energy to do so, like you also mentioned? So there's, I feel like... Ineos probably could not have played it too much differently, and when it comes to their numerical advantage and so forth, that we heard people talking about, would oh, have got five riders in the top 15 of GC or something we heard early on in this race. Well, Egan Hard was out, then Sivakov was out, and then they had three riders left, the plus Aronsmon who, what are you going to do with them? The plus and Aronsmon, are you going to try and send them in breakaways? Jumbo's going to stop that. Are you going to try and just attack agree. on... I disagree, Jumbo could. Jumbo could have stopped them.
1: Kloge like was in the Gruppetto every day. Hessman's inexperienced and was good some, bad the others.
0: Yeah, but a lot of the stages didn't have a climb at the start. It would have they had didn't. to be on the specific stages where the climb was at the start to make it easier for Aronsman and the Plus to go and break with. They barely tried. They didn't try. Yeah, so... I also think
1: they were trying to keep Aronsman in GC, and he was also riding for his best GC result. And yeah, he did some descents on the front. But if you look at the uh, Val stage and you look at the way after he was dropped, he then, he attacks Lechnisund rather than, he's not really pacing back. It was, it's clear to me that there was, there was a part of Aaronsman riding for his own GC because when Sepp Kuss finishes his pull on Val or on Bondone, he's completely spent. And I'm not saying Aaronsman was selfish. He also did a really, really good job. It might have also been the team plan, but I'm just saying at no point at all, at no point ever did Ineos try to risk anything. Agreed. Risking Thomas being dropped, risking Thomas attacking and getting countered, risking Dipluce or Aaronsman falling out of GC. They didn't risk a thing. And their plan, I think, was because Bondone they didn't pace. So maybe, what if Roglic doesn't lose the 25 seconds there? Like it, to me, it doesn't make sense. They
0: must have thought Thomas would win the final TT, right? I think they probably did. And maybe, maybe they based it on the fact that they didn't have complete confidence in Roglic's ability to do what he did on on the time trial. Now, before the time trial, I wouldn't have bet my all my money on who was gonna win that time trial because I felt like with Roglic there was also some uncertainty. But in hindsight, it is logical that Roglic is better on that kind of terrain than Thomas. If you look purely at the data, if they are purely robotic people, then then boom, that's logical. But because of the human side of cycling, I wasn't sure what was gonna happen on the time trial. So in that end. I I still can't 100% understand that you have full confidence in the time trial, though. But maybe it was to them the only option that they saw to win the race.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's like, well, Thomas is on his limit on Bondone, took 25 seconds. Great. Valdis didn't really suit him, wouldn't be trying to drop Roglic on that terrain. Then the last option, I guess, would be should they go all in on Trey Chime stage and make it a war from the first climb and really blow the plate? The race apart on Paso Zhao. I think that's a conversation uh, worth but having.
0: We said Almeida early. We spoke about Almeida. What could UAE have done differently? That. Exactly. You brought that up on the stage itself, I think, in the recap. And I fully agree with you there that Almeida reduces chances to not, well, reduce the chances of staying with the others by not making the race harder beforehand because you're making the last climb perfect. For Roglic, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So they... It's still going to be a super, super hard stage. It's impossible not to have loads of kilojoules before the final of Trade Chimi, but the way the race panned out, it was about as easy, quote-unquote, easy before trade Chimi as you could have expected. Before the last 3Ks, it's still a GC group of a dozen riders. That's a huge group for such a stage with 5,000 Denivelle at the end of three weeks with 3Ks to go. So... It's, that was all, I think, perfect for Roglic, who just on a very, on core yesterday, dropped down Almeida. Whereas, yeah, if you turn into a slug fest, maybe you even, because if, if you make the whole race harder before, the final watts on the final climb for everybody, come down. And maybe that helps Almeida. Maybe he gets dropped more. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> maybe, but I think maybe he wasn't feeling good. No. I, I'm not sure. Uh, if he wasn't feeling good, then they did the right thing. So it's difficult to know exactly. You don't know how much riders were on the limit at any moment. It's also difficult with, yeah, Ineos missing Sivikov, I think was a big miss. And obviously uh, I, that's why I really wish Gag, wish Gag Hart had been here because that would have been interesting to see how Ineos, uh played it. But anyway, uh, I do think the narrative that Yumbo just waited for the final TT is completely at odds with how the whole race <laughs> in the yeah. third week went like they weren't waiting for the final TT when they paced the entirety of stage 16 yeah. and then got dropped. They weren't waiting for the final TT when Coos launched on Koi and then Roglic attacked again on Trey Chimi got dropped for a bit. So on all three stages, they tried something. Yeah,
0: that also shows that Yumbo themselves weren't hundred percent certain about a time trial, eh? It's impossible for anyone to be certain. Yep. We have one of these sort of TTs every 10
1: years. like Probably not knows? even. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a 18% cattle grid for 5K. It's like who knows how it's going to go. So, well, you could drop your chain and lose anyway. So, yeah, it's if you can take time and you think you've got an advantage, you should. Uh, I'm sure the demons of... 2020 were in play there because maybe if that hadn't happened, they're like, well, yeah, why would we take time on Bondone if, you know, but anyway, that was, uh, I think our answer is, yeah, there's not, there's not these clear places you can point to where, you know, you could have done something differently if you're any of the teams where it really might have for sure made the difference. But anyway, re Roglic Benji, where does this place him? Now for you, compared to Vingergaard uh, and Pagaccia, or even Remco, for example, uh, or Thomas Roglic has won Tirreno, Catalonia, and the Giro, but somewhat perversely, he's looked less dominant when doing so than in previous yep. years. Like the Vuelta 21 was a dominant performance. Here as TT on stage one was meh. He didn't win any punchy stages except for the TT, but he got it done. So it's kind of weird. It's the reversal of Vuelta 2020, where he won like three stages and then had that big wobble in the final and Movistar saved him. He was the reverse of that. Where do you see him in the hierarchy now?
0: Well, we've got a difference between how successful they are and how high I currently see them when it comes to performance abilities, right? Because on one end, he's definitely the... The third most successful ground tour rider that is currently active in the peloton, I would say, Froome, Pogacard, and Roglic, is the order of the top three. And that's depending on how active you consider Froome at the moment. But anyway, when it comes to, when it comes to Roglic himself in terms of performance level, I do agree that we've seen a bit of a dip towards this, this Giro. And is that something that can be recovered? Potentially, but I also feel like when a rider goes through so many injuries, through so many downfalls, through, through so many traumas, there is going to be a moment where you're kind of, oh crap, this is now the level that I can reach. And I hope that hasn't been reached when it comes to Roglic, because I'd love to see him fighting for the Tour de France again. But the man just wanted Giro, so he's clearly good enough to win Grand Tour still. And yes, he had a few wobbles throughout. Yes, he was not the most consistent rider throughout, but nobody was. There was no one in this Grand Tour that was consistent. That Finished the Grand Tour, but Emko also was not consistent in the first week. But then again, he had COVID, so we can't really say, Oh, he was super inconsistent either, unless we would have seen what could have happened afterwards. When it comes to gegenhard he was the most consistent one throughout the first nine days, I would say, because without his crash in the first week, then he would have been up there. He definitely would yeah. have been up there, would have been fighting for the victory in this Grand Tour. And I think he would have had a solid chance of winning it. But when it comes to rog- Roglic, yeah, impressed with his Gero victory. But in pure like, if if you go data-wise, do you see the, the small drop? Yeah, I think there's a little
1: bit. I think so. Like, should peak Roglic hitting what he's capable of drop Roglic on, uh, drop Thomas on <laughs> On Valdezoldo and Coy, I think so. Yeah, and Trey Treacy, hundred percent. I really think so. Even though Thomas was unbelievably good and at his best ever, I think, I think he drops him and should drop him. So seems to be was results from the crash in week two, uh, where he needed stitches. He said he was missing a lot of meat in his left thigh or hip. I yep. don't know. But also last year on Torini and Parinese, he he couldn't really go on with it either. Had to wait for the sprint. So we are, that Covadonga-esque performance, he didn't have it this Giro, and he hasn't had it this year, and he didn't have it last year uh, either. Now, has he changed and he's riding a lot smarter? Like, Catalunya, he wasn't the strongest, and he beat Remco. Tirreno, st- smartest. Yeah, Tirreno is the smartest. And in this Giro, probably the smartest too. So you lose 1%. Maybe physical ability, but you gain 10% smarts and you won like 12 World Tour races. So, uh, And the next question is Tour de France or not this year? So no Remco at the Tour this year. Pogaccio's just had an injury. is not doing it. But next year, we should expect to see Remco at the Tour, fingers crossed, and other you know, guys at the Tour, full form Pogaccio perhaps. Is this his best chance to ever win the Tour de France? Uh, I would say no, because to me, Vingegaard is just another level uh, above Roglic in terms of pure climbing ability. It's it's not not that close to me, um, and also the preparation is not going to be optimal, I don't think either. It makes a lot more sense to me have uh, have Roglic rest, target and build for the Vuelta, and really go for another another Vuelta
0: win. While I agree with that rationally. My irrational self thinks there's only so many chances you have in your life to win a Giro and still have the chance to go for a, a Giro Tour double, even without perfect preparation, where I'm like, why not try it? You've won so many Veltas so far. Why not risk going for the Giro Tour double and become one of the and have a chance of becoming one of the most legendary GC riders of the last 30 years by doing that double? Because Froome wasn't able to do that, so in 2018 i 18. think because he was he went to the giro he won that in that was and that stage 19. and his teammate beat him in the in the tour de france afterwards garen thomas and I'm, I'm on the page of like i would like to see Roglic try also because all the stuff that can happen how many years have we had where a rider a gc rider at jumbo has crashed out in the last three years
1: or one of our team's GC Ineos twenty twenty Giro, yeah. Thomas no good or crashed in the run into Etna. Gaganhart wins that Giro. I mean, in the tour also, but in any Grand Tour, yeah. it's good to have two leaders and like yeah, Yumbo last year because one might crash out, one might get COVID. So there is that, but yeah, I don't I don't really see it. Um, to be honest. Um, do Yumbo need more climbing support? From their tour squad i'd probably take kelderman over roglic to be honest to be a dedicated climbing domestique for Vingergaard. um i think he's more suited to that role but yeah I, I think it makes a lot more sense to have him peak for the welter and and really go for
0: that against iu so that's going to be a fun battle especially yeah. with who knows what if pogacar does not win the tour de france and rides the volta as well and then almeida says he's also going to the Velta. We might have like a UAE team with all GC riders. Yates. Yates exists as well. Dude, that team would be unbelievable. Anyway, uh, other news.
1: Uh, Thomas has said he will do the British National Championships, World Championships, and possibly the Vuelta well himself. I'll be really interested to see how Thomas goes in completely different conditions in a different Grand Tour and, you know, the heat, punchy finishes. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. But Hart. now, hopefully he's recovering well from his surgery. Um pretty nasty crash, but Little Trek have just announced <laughs> call him Little Trek. What a name. So Trek Segafredo is now called Little Trek. <laughs> Little's a supermarket. Um, They got some cash. The team rumor is, there's a rumor that Gagan Hart could be going there and let's just assume for present purposes Benji that he recovers absolutely fine from his injury. Yeah. Um, Should Ineos give match whatever Trek are offering
0: or not. Ooh, I feel like Gegenhard really stepped up in this Giro when he would have won. Okay, I he would have won. I think he would have had a solid chance of winning this Giro. But hey, we don't know what could have happened. But um, shouldn't pay to keep him? The thing with emails as well. To analyze that, we need to take a look at how they feel about their current GC riders and we will see what Bernal is like in the Tour de France. I know you're very, very high on Bernal. on Bernal. <laughs> you, He's said, back. you said podium on Twitter? Podium locked. Third place, <laughs> locked in. Ardyns <laughs> one is building, but is not at the top level yet. That's clear okay. after this Giro, but he is building. I feel like... He had a great Giro. Top three AIM should be there for next year for an one in a race like this with so many time trial kilometers. Sivakov is uh, probably He's leaving and he's French, so a French team will now rob him. And this is like, if you're a GC <laughs> rider, or like a rider that is not a GC rider, or not good enough to be a GC rider at the moment, Kosyvakov can't reach the GC status at the moment, in my opinion, in a Grand Tour. Yeah, but, he might, like,
1: but a team might think he can.
0: Yeah, that's the point. That's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. are not French, and you have that, become French, and then you get big <laughs> offers from French teams.
1: He's on like 800 <laughs> grand, dude. What the fuck? I think, yeah. Jesus Christ. Um, Boss? Roglic, yeah. He's got to give Roglic a check because remember, Roglic didn't let Gibbons win that welter stage and then she let Shepesan win <laughs> and then Shep-San gets that contract. Unreal. I um, can't believe it. Thomas is going to extend for two years apparently. Um, so yeah, they got Peacock big money, Bernard big money. They're locked in. They're GC prospects or question marks, but that's the goal. Rodrigo's Thomas locked gone? in for two years. Who? Rodriguez gone to Movistar, most likely. Rodriguez has got the physique shoes on already. So, do they need... Like, Teo's, I would say, the current rider on the roster with the highest peak level in a Grand Tour. Yeah. But, crash issues, injuries, inconsistent as well. It did seem to all come right at the right time for the Giro again.
0: Um, I don't know, it's hard to say, and, and what their budget's like. Yeah, but... Regardless of any else, I think it is the good step for Gegenhard to go to a team where he has full leadership, knowing that Trek, we've been complaining about that team for for like three years that they don't have that GC rider for At the least future. he's under 30. Exactly. So, I think he would be a good sign-up, but will his level reduce going to Trek Segafredo? I mean, they got Port going pretty well in 2020,
1: yeah. and he podiumed the Tour de France. Exactly. exactly. I he was alright. I mean, he was old, but is all right. Um, I thought they were going to sign Lander. That would have fit their, what they've done before with like the Nibali and Port signings, but Gegenhardt oh, at least is under
0: 30. I prefer the signing of Gegenhardt over Lander, personally. You're the underrating Lander. No. I Dude, Gegenhardt didn't do having for two a ri- and a
1: half years.
0: I prefer having a rider that has the potential of winning a Grand Tour yeah. versus a rider that has the potential of podiuming a Grand Tour. Landa cannot win a Grand Tour.
1: Yeah, but would... Yeah. It depends what you want. It depends what you want. <laughs> Consistency or high upside. And has yeah. young, and maybe a different change A change of environment would be good for him. So hopefully he comes back from that injury okay. But that's the rumor. We'll see if Ineos stump up the cash. I assume if the cash was equal, he'd want to stay at Ineos in the environment. He's had success in and won the Jira before, but maybe he wants to change of scenery. I don't know. Um, but yeah. Best wishes for his recovery, but it looks like Bernal, Pidcock, Thomas will be there, GC Core for a little while, at least the next two years. Uh, this, Going away from the big teams, Benji, this young Israel squad and the potential, what is a Derek G?
0: What is a Derek G? <laughs> what what a Derek G? Actually, very difficult to, uh, to assess, right? Because look at what this man achieved in this race. This guy was, to the mainstream cycling public, a complete unknown, and even to some fanatics, he was kind of that rider that was just on Israel this year.
1: Grand Camino 2022
0: watchers, remember. <laughs> he was on the Conti team then. He got second in four stages. He got second in the mountains classification, the points classification, that classification that you don't care about in the intermediate sprints uh, competition. And he got the competitivity in this race with two other fourth places in other stages. He went in the break in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven stages, I think, throughout this Grand Tour. Maybe even more or, I don't know, probably around that number. So, he's been super active, he's been super super achieving, but points and mountain jersey, I would say that he benefited a lot for those two from the fact that points-wise, different sprinters won stages, and quite a few of them left the race. So, I think if those riders stayed in the race and we had a sprinter that won four stages and then won that won two stages, like we had with In some other grand tours, then he wouldn't be second in this classification. Mount classification, I think he benefits from a rather perfect Giro d'Italia point system where it was so built to have non-GC riders at the top, which I love. So that's good. I'm not saying that he's benefiting in a bad way because he got to step up and do it and nobody else did it to be able to be on that spot. So props to him. But what is he when it comes to the kind of rider? Because he can climb, he can he can go in breakaways. He's kind of like Thomas De Gendt on steroids. But I, think, I feel like if you put him in a mountain train, he can even do mountain train work stuff. So it's super weird. Is he Dylan Van Baarle? I don't know, man. It reminds me of a 2018
1: Dylan Van Baarle. Actually, does he? Yeah, he does. I don't know how to classify him. I mean, maybe he's just his own man. And it's tough because you can't turn, he he can't do a GC project at Israel because his strength would be trying to go to races with steady climbs, high TT kilometers, and take time in the time trial and probably, you know, try finish third to sixth. But their TT setup is so bad that that's just a waste of time. So park that, he's signed through at the end of 25. Can't do that. I would, if I was him, really focus on his sprint. Really, really, because his sprint's yeah, already but... pretty good. It's already pretty good, but you can, if you can get it to Magnus Court level, all of a sudden you're winning a lot of races.
0: I agree, and I also think that the focus on stage wins should still remain the same yeah. in the same way that a Magnus Court is doing. Because he hasn't won one. Exactly, he's getting second in them, and he's kind of on the Fred Wright level of stage wins right now, where they are destined to take a stage win, but haven't. So, the next Grand Tour that he goes to, he's going to be on the paper as one of the riders that is destined to take a, a win in that Grand Tour, no?
1: Yep. And he's a big engine, and the engine's fine, and his fitness is not a problem. He climbs way better than Magnus Court. Um, but you've got to finish it off. And having, like, as we saw with Alessandro DeMarchi, he looked great, got some breaks. But then he gets to the final, he's like, well, fuck, how do I win this? He choked I, it. I, I can't sprint. So, yeah. I think that's the options. Now, I would, yeah, basically not ride the TT bike for two years and just do, just sprint and get in the weight room and then focus on stage wins because he nearly scored a thousand UCI points, which is crazy in one year. It's probably more than Froome has, definitely more than Froome has earned in the last three years, getting paid over 10 million euros. So I hope he gets a nice little extension as well. Um, but yeah, G and the other Israel squad looking good.
0: Frigo, Berwick, Richard Really exciting for them. You spoke about UCI points there for a second and we see that Israel scores a lot of points, but there's also a lot of teams that didn't score a lot of points in this in this yeah. Giro that are pro Profis. Conti teams. While Alotto, on the other hand, is skipping the Giro because they decided to do so before the changes of UCI points in Grand Tours was made so that UCI points in Grand Tour stages are higher when it comes to stage wins. And top 10 positions in stages and so forth. It's like a lot higher versus last year. They decided to skip the Giro before that decision was made, like a week beforehand, which is kind of silly. But I also feel like looking at the races they've done, despite Arnudely being injured, the amount of points they gathered in the last year month has been notable to the point that I'm like, they probably scored more points in skipping the Giro then they would have done doing the Giro, knowing that this was a... How would you say it? A Giro where you could have lost four riders halfway through.
1: Yeah, but it's also a Giro that really suited the characteristics of a lot of Lotto's riders. Yeah, the Drake riders. Van Moor, Monique, crone These are riders who are could regularly be getting top three in many of these stages that we had, like the Nico Den's second stage win or first stage win. I would be saying Lotto would have two in those those breaks. So yes, they did do a good job in the out in not doing the Giro. Damage control. Damage control is good. I still think um, next year they'll be at the Giro. Yep. They won't decline the invite next year. Now, a team like so. Arkea. And Cofitus, like RK without Nairo, are, are terrible. Like with the GT and Monument point changes, they yep. are losing ground fast. They're in the relegation zone, article dropping tonight or tomorrow morning on Um, with Raul's updates. And he shows the differences between the of this year and last year, very interesting. And Cofitus had a shocker too. They, But they were okay on the continental circuit. But... I think it's really good, these changes, actually. The changes to the points make a lot of sense. Yep. Like, I think a stage win, it, the points for a stage win equaling the points for top 10 on GC, that makes kind of sense to me. Um, maybe, okay, you can say, oh, it's slightly better to win a stage but versus coming 10th, but it makes about the right sense. Same with coming... And also, someone like Leonard Kamner actually, and he wasn't going for points. Bora don't need to worry about points. They're not getting relegated. But, you know, Kamner, what do you think about him, Benji? And his, uh, there were some interesting quotes from out of Bora's management where they said the experiment of Kamner going for top 10 on GC was a success. He came in the top 10 on GC, but coming in the top 10 on GC is not a success for Bora Hansgrohe, we won this race yeah. last year, we want to be on the, I think it's a really interesting and professional way that Bora's thinking about it and doing it, and I do like the fact that, you're like, why can't he do that? It's like, well, he, he has to try once, like if he wants to try top 10 GC, and there's no point being be, sitting in seventh, two weeks in, and then being like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm yeah. not doing it anymore. I think there's no harm in trying it once. He's already won a Giro stage, a Tour de France stage, um, but may, maybe Vuelta will sing for stages again. But now that he we have seen GC Lenny experiment, what do you think they'll do?
0: I think he would probably realize after these three weeks that he looks at GC and sees that Thibaut Pinot is in fifth after not riding GC properly for the first. Seven days, maybe he did write GC, but I felt like he didn't have the first good week at the days. start. And then he just stayed up there, kind of roughly, to then go in breaks and have chances and still ended up in the top 10. So, I'm on KOM. Maybe the Pernsteiner way, the last week way of getting in the top 10 by being in breakways and having chances for stage wins, is the right way of doing it instead of what Chemna did, which was staying up there the entire time
1: yeah exactly. like it's kind of I almost feel like if Kemner had done normal Leonard Kemner stuff, he finishes higher on GC this race, yeah with the possibility of a stage or two. and well. wearing pink. I really think so, um given the way the race eventually played out, but they wanted to do it straight up, see his recovery they'll now have all the data like how were his watts or his performance declining in the third week. I mean, the problem for him is he's not the best climber, solid climber, but not the best. And his TT was also, he got beaten by Caruso on the flat TT. So that's going to make it really tough for you to beat someone like a Caruso for even top five spots. Caruso ended up finishing fourth. And he was a fair way. Then from Caruso to podium is then another huge leap. But from Camden to Caruso, currently there's still a big gap. So, obviously, for the fans, you know, I like Leonard, obviously, but I'd love to see him go for stages. So, well, you know, I think he's the most, I think he's the best breakaway rider in the world. So, I, but I also don't think it was a bad idea what they did in this year. And finishing top 10 in GC is still a feat most guys could only dream of. Uh, Dunbar, Benji, is that a success?
0: I. S- I think it is. I would say it is. because yeah, huge success. Even if you think away the last part, where he actually lost GC positions in the last week, you gotta realize that in that last week, he was staying with GC riders of the highest level in the first few mountain stages. He was staying in the f- top four of GC base. He was the fourth best GC rider a few times around. And it's Caruso's recovery that, that got the best of, of Dunbar. And I would say it's definitely, definitely a positive. They went through this race with him as full-on GC leader. Uh, We basically said top 10 is possible, but he needs to get lucky to do so, which, in hindsight, the result says it, but I will say that I did not see coming the level that he would have in terms of actual GC, because I would have expected him to get into top 10 the Pinole by going in breakaways and then being able to Shove himself into top 10 in the last week while he was simply one of the top five best GC riders in this Grand Tour that and, were know, left over.
1: He faded at the end of the three weeks. Maybe the Crans Montana stage being shortened cost him GC positions because he was right up there. Him and Almeida were sprinting for the line. He even attacked in that final, I think, and got a gap and was only yeah. brought back by Thomas chasing. He was great on Bondone and then faded at the end. So I think the Kranz-Montana shortening really didn't play into Dunbar's hands, but I guess a a big success for Jacob Alula. They've signed him for three years. They put a lot of confidence in him, and there's no guarantee. They now have someone – no guarantee Simon Yates would have done better than seventh. Now, his upside is a bit higher. He's won the Vuelta, but they now have a rider who they can say, we top 10 to Grand Tour with 26-year-old on the first time of asking. With a broken hand or wrist before, not ideal prep. Vuelta coming up, or other races. We have now have another top GC guy we can go for. Plus, he's not a guy. They still went. They still won two stages with Zana and Matthews, so they don't need to just put everyone around him. And now they got Yates to the Tour de France. So Jayco got to be very very happy. Ineos, yeah, it doesn't look great that they never took him to a Grand Tour, but yeah. they replaced. They signed Ahrensman. I don't know how similar the money is. But Aronson's a little bit younger and he didn't. Aronson's one th- is
0: more expensive, right? Yeah, probably. I would expect. But I don't yep. think it's that
1: different. I don't think it's double. Um, but Aronson finished above him on GC whilst rising at Domestique. Um, but Dunbar's level maybe impressed me a little bit more on some of the pure climbing stages. But then it's like, well, Aronson smoked him in the TT. So, anyway. It's all revolving doors, but I think still very, very positive for Dunbar and Jayco. They should be very, very happy. Anything else from this Jira before we, we round off Benji and, and maybe give a little uh, plug to the Dauphiné coming up? What, sorry? I was going to preview the Dauphiné. Okay. Not a full preview. I was just going to say, I'll do my preview now. guys going to win. That's my preview for the Dauphiné.
0: Okay. I accept your preview of the Dauphiné. <laughs> I think if I take a look at the start list, which I'm doing for the first time right now, <laughs> that um, there's some big stages next, not this weekend, the weekend after. Whew. Yeah, Vingagal's gonna win. Like, isn't, I feel like it's pretty obvious looking at the start list. Like, there's no one on his level on the start list. And but yeah, stuff Bernal. can happen throughout. Sorry, but I'm not as high on the Bernal hype train as you are, I'm afraid. Max Poole's pretty good, dude. Hey, he's good. We saw, but he's not on Vingagal's level. <laughs> not yet.
1: Not yet. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Asajiro done. As, as I said, any last thoughts on the race, Benji?
0: On this race? Mm, on the Giro? Will Remco come back? Will Remco do the tour? Uh, to like, Belgian. Will Remco come back? I don't know. Like, if you're Remco, if you're Remco's family, if you heard how the Giro and Gazeta were shitting on him after he left and were saying that he should have waited and so forth and all that kind of stuff, I would think twice before going to the Giro again in the future. And I would say that's partially because of his team and how they handled his departure from the race, because that could all have been avoided if the press team of Quickstep did their better job.
1: Yeah, exactly. A um, few mixed messages from there. But no, I think Remco should do the tour uh, this year. I think Remco should do the tour. I agree. He, first of all, they need, they need a three-kilometer-to-go setup, man. I'm not even joking for the lead-out. They mm-hmm. really need someone like Remco. Second of all, he's got the Basque stages. I think he's pretty good in the Basque country. I'll have to check San Sebastian's results, but I think he's done okay there. And third of all, there's no okay, there's never gonna be no pressure. But you know what? He's always gonna have pressure, right? Yep. That is just there's no scenario in which Remco will not have media pressure. It's always gonna happen. Except but it's gonna be limited here. Exactly. It's going to be less than what it would be if he won Paris-Nice n- next year, did a two-month altitude camp, or, you know, and then went to Dauphiné, went toe-to-toe with Vingard, then altitude camp, then tour. That's, and they say we're going to go for GC, that's a different level of pressure. It's not going to be that this time. Of course there's going and to be... And worst
0: case, he wins the drum trial.
1: Nah, I mean God smoking. But yeah, he could,
0: he could go pretty
1: well in the TT. Um, or in a breakaway or whatever. Just, I don't know. Don't even go for GC. I don't care. Um, Simon so Yates, right? But like, isn't he doing tour of Brit? Isn't he supposed to do a tour of Britain and. Yeah, I um, love Balaz- the Belgium tour. Like, on, oh,
0: man. I agree. I agree. I do like seeing him doing the Belgian champs. That, that being said, I do yeah, like that fine. factor. When it comes to the Tour de France, do what? I don't know which Yates it was. I think it was. Simon or Adam, well, there's kind of been too many different riders than those two. That One of them went to the Tour de France and got like 2-3 stage wins or something. Simon, yeah. Simon, and In I would like or him to do that this time around. Because then he's got a Tour de France stage win. How fucking cool is that? And maybe yeah. more than one Tour de France stage win. And he can do that if he just says beforehand, I'm not going for GC, I'm doing that. People will be okay with that. Because they want to see him win stages then instead of GC. And you've you set your goal yourself, but the communication surrounding it. If, if I have to base myself on the communication of the Giro, they're probably going to go into it without saying anything if they would do the Tour de France. And then people will be like, why is he so shit in GC? And Quickstep will be like, oh, but they, he wasn't riding for it anyway. And nobody's going to believe it.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, no, probably they'll say nothing three days before the race, Lefebvre will ride in HLN that actually, you know what? It's a big test for Remco, and, and if he gets beaten by Vingegaard and Pogaccia here, we might have to really reconsider whether he is a GC rider. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, probably risk of that happening. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> His preparation's terrible. Uh, I don't know. I think probably there's a lot of disappointment coming out of the Giro abandonment and the code yeah. to, to abandon like that is obviously, it's almost worse than a crash, frankly. Yeah. Um. So maybe he just doesn't want to... Be away from his family for four weeks six weeks and yeah because like have the press hounding him for four weeks i can empathize
0: with that i just watched this documentary that came out with average Rob, some belgian youtuber that is pretty fucking good belgian youtuber that worked together with remco or followed remco for this his documentary that's on like a streaming service in belgium it's called rainbow remco stupid name by the way really fucking <laughs> stupid name but <laughs> i say they basically released a, a prologue episode for a, a longer series where you follow him throughout the year. And in that prologue se- episode, they they followed him on that Fosombrone stage and the time trial, for example. And it's really noticeable that before the stage, he's asking for, like, help from his doctor that his nose is stuffed already and so forth. So you see the gradual, like, symptoms coming up. And then after the stage, he's, like, super shocked at how shit his time trial was. He won the bloody time trial, and he's, like, the most disappointing person in the room. Because every staff member and writer surrounding him has to go up to him and say, mate, you won the time trial. She should be happy. Because <laughs> he's nah, like, bad, TT. how did I fuck up my pacing? <laughs> stuff like Stuff I wrote 20 watts less than I should have, yeah. is what he's saying and so forth. And then you're thinking, if he didn't have COVID, how fucking fast that time trial would have been? He would have gained. He could have gained 30, 40 seconds?
1: Yeah, probably. And he wouldn't have got dropped on fast and like- yeah. I don't believe, yeah. I don't believe he's a worse puncher than Gegenhardt or Thomas, and they got back to Rog, which wins. Definitely so, Almeida. Yeah, they Almeida didn't get back to Rog, though. He yeah, that's true. 14 seconds, too. Anyway, we'll see what he does. It's it's his decision, ultimately, or maybe it's the team's decision. I don't know. Um, maybe Little Trek will try to buy him out. Um, little Worst Bonds. They used to sponsor Quick Step, right? So maybe they still yeah. do. So maybe they want to put Renko in some little sneakers. Oh, like a rapper
0: little track it does uh,
1: wouldn't Trek little Trek little or little Trek? well it's little because little, little is fun. showing
0: much more money than Trek, probably because otherwise they wouldn't be for a sponsor no
1: yeah Trek got
0: a bigger budget than people think same with ag 2 r well where's segafredo off to then because like the, the little Trek is like track segafredo is like the management is like also segafredo we like your coffee and all but we just had a supermarket knock on our door, and it's going to give us more money. So I'm afraid that your title sponsorship ends here. <laughs> You're looking, the weakest link.
1: <laughs> I'm looking in the press release. Fredo will be departing as title sponsor ahead of the Tour de France. Oh, yeah, no coffee for the riders anymore. Probably not.
0: Big loss, actually.
1: Ah, no, coffee's only good in Australia. Everything out of Australia is terrible anyway. Um, anyway, thanks very much for listening to the podcast. And our jira recap. I'm not sure if we'll have anything else coming this week. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. Make sure uh, to check out our Dauphiné coverage starting on Sunday. That's when the first Dauphiné stage starts. I'm going to Paris on Thursday. Uh,
0: that's about it, yeah. Any 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 last quips, Benji? No, not really. I think uh, I'm working on a YouTube video where I did a VO2 max test, and uh, oh, yeah. hopefully it's going to be a good video. The editing so far suggests that It should be as long as I stay focused for the rest of the evening here. Nice. Nice.
1: Well, good luck with that. Go and check that out when it drops on Benji's YouTube channel. Thank you. Otherwise, we'll see you uh, on Sunday. Until then, ciao.